and I'd like to welcome Dr. Samir Sinha to the program. He's research director at the National Institute on Aging. And Dr. Sinha, uh, thanks so much for sparing us the, the time today. I know you're a busy man. No, we're happy to be here. So 82% of Canada's COVID-19 deaths have been in long-term care homes. That's according to new data from your institute. This is your area of expertise. You've been signing the alarm for some time, saying what's wrong with the system. I mentioned you'd advise the government on how to get a handle on the situation uh, in our long-term care homes with national guidelines during this pandemic. Did you anticipate this percentage being so high? I didn't. I don't think any of us actually did. Um, And uh, what's particularly concerning is that in Canada, we've actually seen that uh, the scale at which the deaths have occurred in our nursing and retirement homes um, gives us uh, the dubious distinction of having the highest rate in the world, far and above other comparable countries. So um, we're the highest rate? How is that even possible? Like how much of Canada's population are in long-term care? So about less than less than 1%, right? So depending wow. on how you cut the numbers, we have about a 400,000 Canadians who are living in in care homes. Um, and in particular, we have um, about 250,000 who are kind of seniors living in seniors care homes. So less than 1% of our population. But this is a population that's accounted for 82% of our deaths. Um, and so when you look at other comparable countries like Italy, Spain, um, and, uh, and the UK, for example, uh, we saw that those countries were later than Canada was in terms of implementing their lockdowns. And so there were high rates of community spread. And so there were a number of younger and older people in the community who died, including many people in nursing homes in particular. But in Canada, we got ahead of everybody else, if you will, in our pandemic, uh, because we had early warnings from other countries in terms of locking our country down. So the great news is we've only had a few hundred um, deaths for young people younger than 65 in the community, and only a few hundred deaths in people older than 65 um, in in the community. But over 3,000, you know, 300 deaths in our country have actually occurred for mainly seniors living in these homes. That's appalling. This is where people depend on their loved ones getting the best care. I had uh, last week, I had this, um, I think he's an exceptional person. His name is uh, Brian Cochran. And he went on, uh, he is a producer of TV shows. And he, um, on this lockdown, knew that he wouldn't, you know, everything would be shut down for a while. So he went to his mother's long-term care home where he had been helping out. Uh, And he basically acquired a job so that he could spend time with his mother. And when I was talking to him about the work, he said he's, you know, he's a he's a nurse aide there. So he's helping with feeding, cleaning and things. He said it is the hardest work he's ever done in his life. Like he, he is completely exhausted at the end of the day. He also said it's incredibly um, heartwarming work. It's incredibly rewarding work. But he mentioned something that, you know, because when we break down what's wrong with long-term care homes and you think, well, how did we come to this? How are they underfunded? Why don't we pay people enough, right? Like all of these are problems when we talk about the long-term care system in Canada. He had an interesting take on it. He, He said that he thinks this is a societal problem because we have just kind of shoved this the idea, just the whole long-term care home um, system to the side because it's about us not wanting to face our own mortality. Do you think he could be onto something there? 
Well, I think it's I think there's a reflection here because, you know, this individual, for example, who got a job as what we call a personal support worker, um, the challenge is, is that we have somehow allowed our society to fund our long-term care system so that people doing the same work but in different parts of the system will get vastly different pay rates. So, for example, if he was doing that job, if he got a job doing that same hard work, and let's be very clear, this is not easy work, um, he would get a lot more money um, working in a um, in a hospital, for example, and he'd actually get things like benefits, get this, like right. a pension, you know, sick days. And the challenge is, is that because we so grossly underfund our, our nursing, and reti- uh, nursing homes in Canada, for example, what most homes do to kind of, you know, manage their budgets, if you will, um, you know, is that what they do is they actually will only offer part-time work at lower wage rates, um, and that allows them to avoid giving benefits like sick days, which allows people to stay home uh, when they're actually sick. We'll remind people of the benefit of that. And then, and then the challenge is, is that 80% of these homes have trouble recruiting people because when this guy finds out that he could get way more money to go work down the street at a hospital, he's gone. And that's why 80% of homes in Canada were telling us prior to the pandemic they were having trouble recruiting people or keeping people on staff because, frankly, they were being treated like second-class healthcare workers. So He's not your usual case, though. What's that? Yeah, he's he's not your usual case. He actually did it so he could see his mom. He did, but he did it to see his mom and to make sure she was okay. Yeah, but the for key sure. is, but for so many other people where this is their career or job, I don't blame them. But I actually, yeah, it is a societal issue because why? Somehow we believe that nurses and personal support workers, you know, doing this sort of work in hospitals deserve to get a living wage. Um, where we haven't really had the same commitment. And maybe this is because we don't necessarily value the old or the frail mm-hmm. people who live here who are hidden away from the rest of us. And, you know, I think this is an opportunity for us to say as Canadians, when we all might need this care, right, how would we want to be treated? And yeah, I think do we want it? Say, yeah, we would want, we would want to know that our nurse who is doing good, hard nursing work deserves to have the same nursing salary that she'd get if she was working at a hospital. Dr. Sinna, I want to talk to you about something you mentioned in the start, and that's what I really want to have you on the show about, because we've talked about the problems uh, with long-term care uh, together on the show before. You spoke about Denmark and their approach to care and how they shifted their focus 30 years ago. Can you elaborate on that and maybe speak to how difficult it would be to convince our government and Canadians to generally adopt a model like Denmark's? Yeah, the um, what we're seeing is that uh, Denmark actually was, it's a very similar healthcare system in many respects to Canada in that uh, right now uh, what we're um, uh what we're um, um, what we're basically seeing that is in Canada, uh, we actually spend about eighty seven percent of our long term care dollars on institutional care versus home and community care. What Denmark did about thirty years ago was they actually said, "Wait, people actually would rather live in their homes and get this actually." having care in your homes is actually cheaper for everyone because you don't have to build expensive buildings, you know, to do that. Um, And so by doing that, Denmark actually spends over two-thirds of their long-term care dollars in providing people care in their homes, and they do things in much more proactive and preventative ways that actually keep people healthier and well and not dependent on others as well. And so by doing all... 
So, so for example, in Denmark, you know, they know that, you know, once you start getting in your 80s, that's when you're going to start needing care, care from, you know, um, from, um, from uh, personal support workers, nurses and that, whether you be in your home or whether you be there. So, you know, just like we have public health nurses who actually do well baby checks, for example, knock on your door and see how you're doing and make sure everything's okay. In Denmark, at the age of 75, you get your, a knock on your door from a public health nurse who says, you know, do you know actually how to access home care if you need it? Um, you know, these are the sorts of things you can do to make your home ready for you if you have more mobility issues. So it's a much more preventative and proactive approach to help people get ready for aging and the challenges that they could face. And then what they do is they actually have created much more robust community models that are actually cheaper to deliver than institutional care that really give people the option. And by doing that, they actually avoided building any new nursing home beds for 20 years. And wow. they actually closed thousands of hospital beds because when people aren't waiting to, like, because people don't, people are stuck in hospitals because we don't have enough institutional beds in, in our system. But in Denmark, when they have lots of home care, um, there's no waiting list to get back to your own bedroom. It's just a matter of making sure we have the care to provide. And so they figured this out. Um, and I took a whole delegation of Canadian health officials, you know, two years ago, um, and we actually looked at the Denmark system. And basically, it's stuff that we can do. So I've been actually beating the drum about the Denmark effect. And I have to say, in Ontario, we actually now are the only province in Canada that spends the majority of its long-term care dollars in home and community care. But we're still well behind the eight ball in terms of getting to kind of the full Denmark effect. And I think that's what we really need to do. And how hard is it going to be to convince the government and Canadians in general to adopt this model? Well, I think it just takes political will because if I told like what I've been telling everybody is that if I can deliver you care that's actually cheaper and more in line with what you want, when if I ask any Canadian who aspires to end up in a nursing home, I don't think anybody will raise their hand. But if I can tell you I can deliver more of the care that you want in your home and I can do it for less money, it doesn't matter what political you're stripe at, I'm sure everybody would agree with that. And so we had, unfortunately, all three political parties in Ontario during the last election all committed to build 30,000 new nursing home beds. I don't know who out there listening wants to be in one of them. Right. But if I actually told you I could take that same amount of money, I'm going to actually give the government back 10%. For 90%, I can actually deliver way more care to way more people in their homes at the standard that they would want. Well, maybe someone would elect me to do that. The only obstacle I can see in the way here is lack of housing supply, which we all know is freed up by these large facilities. So what about the idea of seniors sharing houses? We're hearing about that more often. It's a new approach. Yeah. So, you know. you invest your money into a large house and convert it into units. Good idea. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And I mean, these are all options that, again, we actually have bylaws, for example, in Ontario that don't allow people to do this. And so there was something actually that I was supporting through the uh, Ontario uh, legislature called the Golden Girls Act to actually yeah. allow people to do that. Because we actually have a lot of municipalities that do not support people who want to make this decision to do this with their friends um, and do that. So this is the challenge where we actually, unfortunately, have created 
our, our own red tape that's getting in our way of allowing us to age in the way that we want to in a more cost-effective way. So there are no barriers here to doing this. This is just a matter of us to get off this, build more nursing home beds, because frankly, we feel like someone's doing something. Well, frankly, if I told people that we can do things cheaper and better and more aligned with what people want, who wouldn't want that? Uh, it's heartbreaking what's going on right now in long-term care homes, and I'm sure more than a few people are in their cars uh, right now listening to this thinking, yeah, I want to stay at home, and I wish my loved one was at home, and uh, this is a good option. I really appreciate you joining us to talk about this model. No, thank you very much for having me.